0: listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider.
1: Alan Schneider thinks he's God's gift to Twitter.
0: Brandon Jaggers.
1: We're gonna have the hap-hap-happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap-danced with Danny fucking K. Merry Christmas. Where's the Tylenol?
0: Jeff Riggs.
1: Jeff Riggs doesn't know shit about horse racing.
0: And me, CeCe
2: Broadus. Oh my guy CeCe Broadus, who covers horse racing and does it well. The Auxiliary Gate
0: big
1: problem
0: hello friends welcome to episode number 155 of the auxiliary gate podcast kentucky's horse racing discussion i'm cc Broadus. And joined by Brandon Jaggers. Unbelievable that you've decided boom, boom. to
2: notice.
0: Yeah, he even brought a guest in too. So yeah, we're, Brandon, we're happy to be here. Yeah, thanks.
2: I, f- I felt part of the Travers weekend. I didn't have to do, uh, uh, baby duty all weekend long. My wife gave me a little bit of a leash. And, uh, when you go out, you tend to meet some people. So I can't wait to have our guest on tonight.
0: Also joining us. Mr. Jeff Riggs, the Bearded Handicapper himself. How are you doing, sir? Yes, sir. I'm doing very well. It's good to be
3: on with Brandon finally. This is the first time we've been on together. Right. High five. High five.
0: That's it. Yes, sir. Have high five. High five. <laughs> Group hug. Group hug. And, uh, of course, Alan Snyder is not with us. Uh, the man has got his foot on Alan's uh, throat, and uh, we're we're – We're sad to to say that he he will not be joining us this this week, Uh, but he has sent in some opinions, and uh, we'll get to those here shortly. Uh, uh, First of all, I want to apologize to Jeff. Uh, I did something I probably shouldn't have done. I added Jeff to our our auxiliary gate official text chain, and uh, Jeff (laughs) has been bombarded by uh, really stupid takes, bad handicapping, a lot of politics. And uh, just a lot of uh, simple nonsense. So, Jeff, I apologize. I mean, you're you're more than welcome to mute that conversation.
3: Hey, there there are some gems in there along with it. We've had a we've had a couple uh, of good handicapping conversations as well. If I do recall, I've spent a couple of nice tickets in
0: here recently. I didn't know anybody had any tickets, but I know we've tried.
2: <laughs> Brandon had a couple, didn't you? <laughs> I don't remember the short lived because I all I remember is losing feathers. <laughs>
0: Brandon hits 5,000 dollars pick fives in his sleep. Mm-hmm. I just want more guys. We want to lead off the big news right off the bat. I mean, it's a, uh, it's been a crazy weekend. This, as reported on Twitter from a lady named Peggy Kuzinski. I don't know who this is, but she says, as I reported on ESPN 1000 just now, the shooting at guaranteed rate field in Chicago during a White Sox game was indeed an accidental discharge by one of the women grazed by the bullet. She reportedly snuck the gun in past metal detectors hiding it in the folds of her belly fat. Now, Brandon, I didn't know one of your ex-girlfriends liked baseball. Oh. But Yeah, I could You <laughs> uh could you expound on that? Like like, you know, this is a this is a serious charge. Like she she I think this this lady the 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 gun went off and it kind of grazed her and she's she's okay, right? You you know what? Have you heard from her?
2: Uh, I haven't heard any follow-up. I haven't seen any kind of fake news out there. And I would just say at Wrigley, they better turn up those metal detectors, especially for the Bears games. Does it concern you that a metal detector cannot detect
0: a gun that's concealed by skin? Yeah, I'd be concerned. (laughs)
3: Well, it makes you wonder if it went off and then they just patted her down and then,
0: you know, (laughs) just let her through. So is this, is this going to be a, cause like one thing happens and then the rest of it pay, the rest of us pay for it for the rest of our lives. Is this something we're going to have to walk into like a stadium and they wand you down. And then when, when, right before you get ready to walk in the stadium, you have to lift up your belly to, to, to show you're not concealing anything. Oh, 100%. Anyway, that was the top story tonight. Uh, so yeah, but, uh, let's, let's get on to more serious matters, uh, Guys, uh, the, the, the real story, I guess, this week has been, uh, Kentucky Downs, which opens Thursday in Franklin, Kentucky. Uh, the, uh, the, the mile and 516th kidney shaped grass course that, uh, it's going to provide a lot of, a lot of good wagering. And, uh, the, the big story, I suppose, is, uh, or at least on Twitter, it feels like, is that, uh, the 1% takeout hike and, uh, it, it, it apparently it's hurt a lot of feelings because uh, you know a lot of people talking about boycotting Kentucky Downs and and whatnot. I I I'm kind of in a different camp. I've always felt like you know people can charge whatever they want. People that own a business have the right to make money. It's uh it's up to us to decide if we if we want to spend our money there. That's that's kind of how I feel about stuff like that. You know that what bothers me, and this this is uh directly from an Alan Schneider tweet. Nobody complains about the prices of food, housing, and gas. So, you know, where, where are those people when they're, when they're, uh, when, on those things, on things that really matter? Cause we've got to have those. I, I've spent a lot of money in gas this summer because I, I drive to Lexton, uh, to and from, uh, just about every day. And it's, uh, it's, it's hurting my pocketbook a whole lot more than my, my poor wagering is, but, uh, uh, guys, you got any, got any takes on that? Cause that's, uh, it's, you know, it's probably, Probably going to be a big deal going forward, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Heisa and its effect on the
2: on takeout. Well, I'd say for one, I've, I've never visited Kentucky Downs. You know, I don't, I don't know it. I've never been there. What have they done to increase visitor experience? The racing, the track, the TV, the camera angles to equate <laughs> out to raising takeout. I don't know. You know, have they make any improvements for viewer experience? If that's my question. Uh, I'll answer that after the week's over and their meets over, uh, how well I feel about the ra- Rising Takeout. But it, unfortunately, it probably won't deter me enough to, to not play. Do I want to boycott it? I don't know, man. I don't, I don't particularly care. I don't get a. And I, there's other things to boycott that are more significant. Uh, and, and, a 1% raise in the takeout is not one.
0: That, I will say to you, to your point about the camera work, they supposedly, now they built this new hotel on site there, and uh, it was in an interview today in the Daily Racing Forum. I think it was Nick Nicholson is the president down there. Uh He's in charge of the racing. He said that they're going to send a camera. I don't know if it's on top of the hotel or so, at some point, some part of the hotel, and we should be getting some better camera work. Uh, this time around. So I'm anxious to see that. That's yeah. good to hear. Yeah. I'll, I'll,
3: I'll I'll work some boots on the ground investigating for you guys this weekend on Sunday. Because, as you know, with uh, Brilliant Racing, we've got Johnny's Fireball in on Sunday at Kentucky Downs. So I'm going to be heading down there. And um, I'll report back. I'll let you all know my findings on how the, the experience was for the day.
0: Well, that's part of my problem. Now, my real problem with Kentucky Downs is not the takeout. It's the customer experience. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it was one of the coolest racetracks and we've, we've hit on this, on this podcast thousands of times. It's one of the coolest places to go because you can take your lawn chair down there. You don't pay any admission and you could plop your lawn chair down at the 16th pole and see everything that you need to see. And now that the new ownership has come in, of course they've added the, they've redone the slot parlor and now with the hotel. The last time I was down there, I can't. I don't think I went down there last year. It was the year before. I think Alan was down there too, and uh, we we could not get past the eighth pole. We had to stay from the eighth pole to the top of the stretch, and I think the only way to get down to the finish line is is to pay for a one hundred dollar table or fifty dollar seat table, plastic table that got you access to to that part of the the racetrack. And that that always bothered me, and it was uh it was also in this article today that uh, uh Nicholson basically admitted you know that the that, that their feelings are that the most important uh people uh in, in concern you know the most the most important cogs to the wheel of uh, Kentucky Downs racing was the uh, the horsemen which I agree the horsemen are very very important but uh you know the gambler and the fans kind of kind of take it on the chin like you know like I said they 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 did raise takeout. Which is a slap in the face to the horsemen or excuse me to the betters. And but, you know, also to the fans, people like me that just wanna go down there and I don't want to spend a ton of money on seating and whatnot. I have to I'm I'm far removed from the action. I I just that to me that's that's no fun. And uh I was supposed to go Saturday and I'm on the fence about it, so we'll see. That's how I feel. Yeah,
3: I haven't been in a few years. So I'll see I'll see how the, the experience is
0: different now than it was, you know.
3: Four or so years ago, but that, that's very interesting.
0: The, uh, the reason for the takeout, according to Nicholson, is that uh, they're, they're trying to offset this HISA bill, which is, uh, Hiza released their budget and I think it's something ridiculous, like $48 million a year. And the HISA is charging Kentucky down somewhere around 680 to $700,000. I don't understand why a track that's open seven days has to foot a bill like that. That seems excessive. But this is the world we're living in. This is, uh, this is government for you. And don't get me started on government, but, uh, uh, it seems like government always squeezes the small guy out, you know? Uh, I think, I think we're going to see that going forward. In fact, yeah, I was thinking of of an example the other day. Brandon, uh, this is a girl I used to date probably about 20 years ago. You, you know who she is. She would not, she refused to eat at mom and pop restaurants. Uh, she would only eat at chain restaurants. And, uh, what's yeah, that the was, reason for that? The, the reason was she always thought that people tried harder at chain restaurants. And she, when she thought of mom and pop places, she th- thought, you know, they're not going to try hard in the back. They're not going to wash the dishes correctly. They're not going to clean your table correctly. They're just going to mail it in. That is always th- that is what I'm concerned that Heise is going to treat the horseman like. The big stables are going to continue on. The Asmusens, the Pletchers, the Doug O'Neills, the Bafferts of the world, they're going to continue on. The little guy's going to get squeezed out. We we're already seeing that in Texas. Well, Texas has just refused to accept HISA. So yeah. they, those racetracks may not even be long for the world. But I'm thinking of racetracks like Fawner Park. Fawner cannot export their signal anymore uh, because they, they, they just said we cannot afford to pay for HISA. Okay? So... Uh, and, and I think we're just going to see the little guy squeezed out. And I'm not, not cool with that. I just, that's, uh, the, any, anytime government gets involved in anything, it's, there's always high prices and, and, and everything's raised. I, I, I work in the mortgage world and, you know, in the, in the 20 years I've been doing mortgages, like closing costs have skyrocketed. Uh, you know, property taxes skyrocketed every, every, everything now home values have skyrocketed. And, it's, and that's that's a world that's, that's regulated by government, and and a lot of the stuff that they get involved in, it just seems like it's it it raises prices, and and squeezes people like me out. So, uh and you know, I don't want to get into a po- political discussion. I mean, people are probably thinking, well, this guy's a this guy is a, he's he's anti Biden or he's, he's anti Trump. Well, that's that's not the case. I hate them all. I just want I want government out of everything. I want them especially out of horse racing, but. Anyway, I digress.
2: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hear you. I absolutely agree. Maybe I'll run for government. Maybe the state can help, help, but you know, the state's done pretty darn good thing with Kentucky horse racing and now sports betting will start in September. Uh, so there's some benefit to uh, Kentucky state government. So, so we're a Kentucky race, you know, horse uh, podcast. So I'm positive about Kentucky.
0: Well, yeah, the, uh, the, the, racing commission, uh, licensed a few of the, uh, the, of these sports betting outlets. Uh, I don't know what you call them, but, uh, you know, I had the list here and I've already lost it. Churchill Downs is going to partner with FanDuel and, uh, the Red Mile and Keeneland is going to partner with Caesars. Uh, the, the, the track in Ashland. I didn't even know there was a track in Ashland, but they're going to partner with, with, uh, Bet MGM and, and then some of the others, Bet three six five and Circa and DraftKings and Penn Sports, they all won licenses here in the state. So that's that's going to kick kick up here in about what two weeks, one week, something like that. Or well, maybe the online portion maybe at the end of September, but that's 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 right around the corner.
3: Yeah, I know they were shooting for a football season as their kickoff, and that's rapidly approaching.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, where the college kicks off this week. I guess they're going to try to make it before the NFL kicks off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, Okay. All right. Well, uh, before we get to our guests, last thing, uh, Michelle Lovell, congratulations to you. Your great horse, Damon's Mound went wire to wire at Charlestown. I don't even know the name of the race, but it was a seven furlong, $350,000 race. And I guess the name really doesn't matter, but is it? Robert.
2: Robert Hilton Memorial.
0: Yeah. Bobby Hilton. Yeah. Bobby Hilton. The Bobby Hilton yep. stakes. So there you go. Congratulations, Michelle. Anything else anybody else wants to declare?
2: I'd say Damon's Bound ran a hell of a race. 22 and a half, 45 and nine, 112, and then finished in 125. Held on, stuck with it, beat a lot of uh, aforementioned horse trainers that are out there. Uh I will say the odds changing at the very last minute was a little <laughs> bit shocking. Uh but I think she went off as the second choice in the odds uh next to Rivet with uh Tyler Gafferland who actually finished, I think, middle pack, five, fifth or sixth. So uh thought it was pretty funny. But great, great job, Michelle. Way to go. Damon's Mount is back. Absolutely.
0: Okay, let's get
2: to our special guest. Brandon's going to introduce him right now. All right. Thanks, everybody. Yep, it's Brandon Jaggers back on the podcast. I've been missing for I don't know how many weeks, but I'm not going to ask Craig that. Tonight, i got a special honor uh, to introduce. could be one of the youngest guests we've ever had on this podcast, but very connected to Kentucky horse racing. But it's okay if he's the youngest because he's probably used to that. This young man has a very unique story and reading his background is very determined and a hardworking person. He is nearly fluent in three languages, English, Spanish, and some Italian. He, another crazy and tragic story, but he was a student survivor along with his younger brother on February 14th, 2018 at the Parkland High School shooting in suburb of Miami, Florida, where 17 young innocent people were were killed and many others wounded. Post high school, he transitioned into education at the University of Kentucky and then on to Florida Atlantic in business business administration. He was one of the youngest members of Florida's Horsemen Benevolent and Protective Protective Association, which is a trade group that represents over 6,000 active thoroughbred racehorse owners and trainers statewide. This young man went To work and learn from Eclipse trainer Chad Brown with over three years and today is with his father as a successful thoroughbred trainer. Besides being involved in training, he owns a horse named Little Nick who plans to make his second start at Kentucky Downs this Saturday, September 2nd, looking to break his maiden. As a young owner, he's accumulated over 65 starts and if Equibase is right, a combined two hundred and forty two thousand of earnings. Tonight we are very welcome and excited to say hi to Nick Bacareza. Hey Nick, how you doing?
1: Good guys. How are you? Thank you for having me.
2: Oh, it's great, man. It's a treat. So tell me uh how your day's been going and then how the barn's doing here in Kentucky. Uh
1: oh, today was a long day. Um got up at four, was at the barn at four thirty, had a whole uh training list to do and then from there went straight to kentucky downs had to ship three horses for the week over there waited for them to get there made sure they settled in right and then uh came back just got back to louisville around uh eight o'clock now
2: how many people get up four o'clock in your household
1: uh, my dad, my dad barely, he can't really sleep well. So he's a workaholic and I got that trait from him. Uh, the rest of them, they all are well rested.
2: <laughs> well, uh, tell us about the three horses that you took to Kentucky Downs.
1: So we got injunction coming off a layoff. Um, he needed some rest after the Clark last year. He's in on Thursday. He's in a uh, allowance for horses that haven't won a stakes race this year. Going a mile. He should be tough in there out of the one hole. And then, uh, Saturday we got little Nick who was making his second appearance on the track. We ran him in Ellis on the last week of Ellis and, you know, he's by Mendelssohn. We always thought he was going to like the grass and, uh, we just wanted to get a race under his belt, get all the, the rust off of him and all the, the jitters off of him at Ellis. So we're looking forward to a good run out of him. You know, tur- dirt to turf is what we want. And that long stretch at Kentucky Downs should suit him and his running style the right way. The third horse we brought was Tartufo, but he didn't get in on Sunday. So we're going to have to, uh, call an audible on that horse, try to run him next week or something, figure something out. That's just part of training horses. You got to make audibles. Yeah.
2: And uh well, I, I tell you, that's exciting, but I want to back up and I guess ask you, you know, who inspired you and how did you get into thoroughbred training?
1: Well, uh, so my mom is a flight attendant. So after she got off of uh, maternal leave, she would leave me at home with my dad and he would keep my crib in his office. Cause he worked from home he was an entrepreneur at the time trying to start businesses and such and you know he he wasn't a good uh diaper changer dad so he he kept me in my crib in his office so he didn't have to come and look every time i was crying and stuff so he would always watch tvg and in between his desk and tvg was my crib so i would hold on to the bars and ride it ride the horses as they're racing and My first word was go. So um, I was just – I was wired to this before I could even talk.
2: That's interesting. Well, uh, do you ride at all? Did you ever ride?
1: Yeah. um, My dad had us do some jumping as little kids, and then, uh, you know, I'll get on the pony, tack walk a horse if I got to. You know, I'm not trying to learn how to gallop or anything, but, um, yeah, I'm pretty – fawned on the back of a horse too. Well,
2: that's a cool story. That's very inspirational. So kinda uh I'm gonna pass it I guess to Jeff and see if Jeff has questions.
3: Sure, yeah. I really appreciate you uh coming and talking to us, Nick. Um just wanted to kinda Get more of your, your background there. I saw that interview you did with the, the real players inside the backstretch. I thought that was pretty cool. You could really feel your, you know, your enthusiasm and passion for the game. And, you know, I was going to ask you where that started, but it apparently started, you know, in your, in your crib watching TVG. Uh, what was the first thing you did, you know, on the track, hands on stuff?
1: Well, uh, I, I was always invested in <laughs> horses, small time with his friends. I would go to the track. I called her. And Gulfstream when I was little. And then when I was uh, 10 to 12 years old, he ended up owning Little Mike, who turned into a four-time grade one winner, Breeders' Cup winner, and so forth. And, uh, you know, I was walking horses at a little kid. And after Little Mike was uh, retired in 2013, my dad took out his license to go out on his own. And, uh, from there, you know, just when you're, when your dad trains, you're almost like, uh, one of his, uh, henchmen, you got to just do, you know, when you, when you're around the barn, you got to just do what needs to be done. And, um, I've been in the shed rows for a little more than 10 years now. So, um, after I graduated high school, my dad set me up with Chad Brown and, uh, in between college and so forth, I would work for Chad the summers. And, um, actually when I was a freshman in college, I initially went to UK and I left Saratoga with Chad, went to UK. Didn't really click into college well. Um, I figured it was best to move to FAU, which is a college in Boca Raton, Florida so that I can work for Chad in the winter, fall, and spring at Palmetto's, and then in the summer go with him to Saratoga. So I went to FAU for about two years, worked with Chad while he was down there the whole time. And then COVID hit, things were a little shaky, you know, people, they were trying to say the world's going to end, and, uh You know, I was 20 at the time. I didn't want to go to Saratoga. Rent's high. I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, So I figured it was best that I stay in Florida, start working for my dad. And that year, he moved up to Kentucky, and we've been uh, in Lexington and Louisville since then.
3: That's awesome. It's very cool. So you kind of bounced around everywhere. I was going to ask how you, uh, got connected to, to Chad, but that's cool that you were able to do that through college. Um, yeah, FAU stood out to me. I went to, uh, WKU Western Kentucky. So, uh, a lot of our, our sporting events we had with, uh, FAU and the CUSA and when they're in the Sun Belt, I think together as well. So that's, that's a cool connection there. Uh, when did you do the equine program at UK? Was that after or before? So, uh, in
1: 2020, when COVID hit, I moved up to Louisville. And then the next semester I switched back to UK and what was good was uh, all my, you know, in college, your first two years are kind of, you know, electives and classes that are kind of open. The second two years, the undergraduate is more concentrated to your undergraduate major. So Mm -hmm. I got everything course wise in the last two years of college. So anatomy, health and diseases, the whole nine yards of UK equine science. I got in at the last two years of college.
3: Very cool. Very cool. So I know you're, you know, you're working with your dad now and you're a young guy and you've been around, you know, the game for a while now. I, I know you've said that you at some point want to go out on your own training. What are you, what are some of your dreams in this game? What's your, what's your ultimate goal?
1: Well, I'm a type of person that, you know, sets the bar high for myself. And I've been around the people that have done that themselves. So, I mean, dreams are, you know, Hall of Fame, Eclipse, Awards, Breeders' Cups. Um, You know, I'm lucky enough to have worked and be close with Chad Brown. And, you know, I can text him right now and ask him personal questions. And, you know, he's going to give me straight up advice like, you know, an uncle, big brother would and you know, I am aiming big and and one time Chad told me, If you wanna be big in this game, you gotta be the best businessman in this game. He said he can show me all about the horses, but what I need to learn on my own is how to be the best businessman. And uh you know, just surrounding yourself by with the people like that and my dad who's a workaholic and you know, everyone that I've, I've been with throughout this whole journey. It's just, I'm blessed to be able to be around the people that I've been around.
3: Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. We, we can tell just, you know, from your attitude that, that you've got it you're going places for sure. So we'll be,
0: we'll be rooting for you the whole way to the top. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. All right. I'll throw it over to you, CC. Hey, Nick, uh, I'm sitting here watching a replay of the, the, I think it's a 2013 Arlington Million with, with, uh, Little Mike. Uh, that was a big year for you guys. That's, that's probably when your dad came on my radar, uh, uh, Carlo. And, uh, do you have any recollections of that year with Little Mike winning the, the, the Million and then going on to win the Breeders Cup turf with, uh, Dale Romans uh, at the helm?
1: Yeah, that was the, probably the most monumental year of my life and, in- be able to look back on it and watch the replays. It's just, it's therapeutical. So, how old were you at the time? I was twelve. And my You're brother 12. was ten.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Uh, so, you, were you present for all those uh, those big wins?
1: Yeah, I very rarely missed a little mic race.
0: I'm trying to think. So, yeah, there was a Breeders' Cup Turf and Arlington Million. Did he win on Derby Day too? Won the 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 Turf Classic?
1: Yeah, he won the yeah when it was called the Woodford Reserve Turf. Yeah.
0: Wow, that's unbelievable. So yeah, you you got to be at on Derby Day. You got to win the Arlington Million. Got to be at the uh, it was at Santa Anita for the Breeders Cup Turf. That was that was a heck of a horse. that, That horse is at Old Friends right in Lexington right now. Yeah. You you get to go out and check on him.
1: Yeah, yeah. We we try to go as much. You know, we we're all busy and stuff, but we try to go there as much as we can.
0: Now I'll talk about a a filly that's uh, under your care now, and I think a, a filly you own a piece of, and that's a sweet Danny girl, uh who really upset the apple cart last fall when she I think it was last fall. Uh, no, it was two years ago when she upset uh a Godolphin filly that was supposed to be the next best thing. It was maybe like a full sister to uh, Essential Quality. But I'm talking about Sweet Danny girl and she's she's had a big uh, a a big campaign and i know she was a stakes winner too and she's i think she won a stakes at tampa maybe and and, and ran well on on derby day on the on the the derby day undercard how, how did you uh how did you come across this Philly? i think you all bred her and uh what what did take us from start to finish on 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 this nice gal well
1: my dad bred her for our owner and longtime loyal client john williams and um you know she was a a big two-year-old but she needed the time to progress and i think uh that philly was the work of art of um our assistant reynaldo abreu we have right now and he really showed me that when you take your time on a horse it can go a long way. And when she was two, they sent her out to us at the time we were in Santa Anita. We tried to uh, go through a winter and through Del Mar in California. So they sent her out to us in about uh, March and she didn't end up running until we came back from California in September. So, you know, it took a long time for her to progress, but, when she, once she left California, got to Ellis, she really uh turned on the light bulb, and that Phillies came a long way. I mean, she has won stakes going three-quarters on the dirt and a mile and a sixteenth on the grass. So I think she'll be a great broodmare. Having that, she's got Jess's Dream on top, which you guys know is Curlin and Rachel Alexandra. And then on the bottom, Scat Daddy Mare. She's just really well-bred. Big bone, big, big filly. She's like a bull. I mean, she could run through a wall if she wanted to. And uh, I think we're gonna sell her at Keen uh, Basic November. So uh, I think she'll be a hot broodmare for someone to buy.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Rachel Alexander only had two foals, and one of them was a stakes winner, and then uh, Jess's Dream was the other. And you're right; that's a, that's an interesting pedigree, to say the least. So but uh yeah I'm 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 glad that you guys are taking some money off the table there sounds sounds like she I'm I'm certain that she'll uh, she's very versatile so I I'm, I'm sure she she'll catch a, a lot of attention at the sale uh last thing before I throw it over to to Brandon uh, I forgot about this but you guys you guys are part of a restaurant or you own a restaurant in in Lexington called Frank and Dino's and uh, I I need to put this on my my To do list to to go there. Tell us about Frank and Dinos.
1: So Frank and Dinos started about 15 years ago. My dad and our client John Williams, they partnered with the first Frank and Dinos in Boca Raton, Florida. And once I moved up to UK, I saw how fast the infrastructure was moving and progressing in Lexington. And if you've been in Lexington the last five to ten years, you can see how far it's came. And I told my dad, listen, there's no good place to eat in Lexington. You know, you got the – the, I'm not going to bash no names, but there was no good places to eat in Lexington about five years ago. And I told my dad, if you bring Dinos here, if you bring good food in South Florida to Lexington, it's going to be like running a grade one horse back under their their condition, you know, they're going to, they're going to do well. So we brought them, we brought Fragonino's um, from Boca to Lexington and it's really just floors there. All right.
2: Where's, Where, where's it located?
1: It's located on a uh, short and mill right next to Dudley's, uh, Goodfellas. It's right near the pavilion, downtown uh, center of downtown yeah. oh, Lexington. Yeah.
2: Okay. Oh yeah, I know where that is. Well, Craig, you'll, right, have, to, you'll have to pick up the
0: tab next time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to. Brandon, yeah. you, you take it away.
2: Yeah. So, Nick, uh, you know, as a as a young owner, young trainer, but but have you know a lot of years behind your belt, what, where do you see the sport going in the next five to ten years, and what are, what are your thoughts over this new regulatory body they call HISA?
1: I think HIZA was needed. Um, you know, the sport was kind of like the Wild West with all these states having different regulations and such. I think the uniform system was needed. I don't think it's perfected. And um, I think some things are good, like, you know, you can inject the horse within seven days of breathing you can't inject the horse 14 days from running stuff like that is good but I think they've done a lot of wrong by taking away Lasix from horses and some of the medications that aren't going to enhance performance but is going to help a horse in a race yeah like
2: Lasix breathing and yeah.
1: yeah yeah you know Lasix was intended on stopping horses from internally bleeding So, you know, I'm not sure about, you know, how people use the Lasix to hide stuff and this and that. I don't know. I don't know how to cheat and I'll never know. But, you know, I think that was a huge knock on the sport because that helped horses more than any other drug. I mean, you could take away, you could keep viewed at 72 hours, but Lasix, Lasix is, you know, preventing horses from bleeding and... You know, I think a lot of those people that are against LASIK should see a horse after a race when they're bleeding uh, externally out of their nose. It's just, you know, it's a shame that people are against LASIKs.
2: Yeah, what? Uh, I mean, do you do you, fi- you think the sport? You know, because we've seen a lot of on-track incidents, like just this past weekend at Saratoga. I, you know. Do you have any solutions to what, what's being done? Is it the track? Is it not enough vets checking the horses before they race? I mean, or is it just a part of the game?
1: I think a lot of breakdowns are repercussions of things that have happened before the race. They all have, um, you know, the cherry popped in the race and in the race, the horses are going to exert themselves more than any other time any other breeze in a race a horse knows it's racing it's going to exert itself more than it ever has and when you have a horse breezing in 52 and then you expect them to go breeze, race in 44 on a sealed track it's not rocket science to see that the horse is breaking down i mean there are things to be able to prevent this and i think a lot of it is the surfaces And I think a a public medication record would solve a lot of this because people would be entitled to protecting their horses more instead of, you know, injecting 14 days before a race and stuff like that. I mean, we're not big injectors. We don't really touch the horse's joints. But a lot of these trainers, they'll do it regularly, you know, and that's not good because that's just taking natural fluid out of the joint and putting in drugs in the joint. And over time, the more drugs and the more fluid you take out, the more drugs you put in, and the more natural fluid you take out, the horses are going to acquire more arthritis. And that can lead to breakdowns, too. So. You know, there's. Yeah, you know, we could talk all day about this, but I think it's a lot of the trainer's responsibility to be more precautious of the sport, especially when you're running in a grade one. And I'm not saying you know the recent things are the trainer's fault, but because any horse can break down, any horse. You know, I could run a hundred yards right now, take a bad step, twist my ankle. I mean, oh shit you know but you know we 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 all gotta be more precautious about how we're making the sport look because especially on a big stage like that you got who knows how many people at saratoga or at churchill or at you know a big racing stage like that they people gotta be more precautious on what are running their horses or not
2: yeah. Well said, man. Thank you, you know, for saying that. Uh, yeah, it's probably on all of us, you know, to, you got to put the horse first and they'll put you first after that. Once you take care of them, they usually take care of you. But, uh, yeah. as, uh, man, a pleasure having you on tonight. I'll just see if anybody has any last questions.
0: You've had some tragedy touch your life that, that none of us could possibly imagine there's no way I could do it justice by trying to explain it. But I mean, what could you, could you in your own words explain what, what happened?
1: Uh, Yeah. So uh, when I was a senior in high school and, you know, I know you guys aren't trying to, you know, get a clip or nothing like that. It's just a part of my life that I'm going to have to take with me. And it's going to be a chapter in my book per se. But, um, when I was a senior in high school, I went to Marjorie Soman Douglas in Parkland, Florida, and an ex classmate came in to our school, poorly secured school, came in and, um, shot 34 people. 17 were killed and 17 were left with a bullet in them for the rest of their lives. And, uh, my brother and I had to escape the school.
0: Yeah, Nick, I mean, that, we're, yeah, that is, uh... I mean, you're, you're such a brave guy and you, you've got so much, uh, in your future ahead of you. And, and, you know, that's, uh, that, that's, that's more, there's nothing in my past that I could, that could match up to that as something that's, uh, you know, you know, that's, that's, I mean, like I'm just speechless, just thinking about, uh, nothing around here has ever happened like that in my little, my little tiny town. So, but we're, we're glad that you're doing well, Nick. Uh, you're, you're obviously you're on top of your game and you've got good uh uh a good foundation, and you've got a good head on your shoulders so I, yeah I see nothing but but good things in your
1: future. thank you I appreciate it and as we're talking about something like that, I'm gonna make a negative into a positive and try to spread good through the world and whoever's listening. If you see somebody who's you know mentally down or a little you know far out or you know a little gloomy or he's got you. Know, He or she has, you know, some problems they're fighting. We're all we all got our own demons, but some have more than others. And you know, just just reach out to that person, call them, text them, try to make their lives better. You know, I mean, a a, a lot of this world is becoming, you know, too much doggy dog, and we're all here for the same purpose, and is that to live a good life? And you know, mental illness is real, and I think the world should be more aware of that and people should be more conscious of others.
0: Well said. Well
3: said. Yeah, yeah, amen. Amen. Wise beyond your years, Nick, for sure.
1: Yeah, that's hanging around the racetrack, bunch of older guys. That'll oh,
2: <laughs> Right. Well, we wish you a kind lot of luck, uh, especially this coming weekend at Kentucky Downs and. Uh, we love the horse's name, so we're definitely going to be rooting you on. And I think uh, if I looked at the morning line, they really put you up there. But you know what? We don't we don't consider morning lines accurate around here.
1: I think I saw in Junction he's nine to two. I didn't look at Little Nick. Little well, um, Nick
2: uh, twenty to one.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, you know, these guys a lot of them bet the trainers, and my dad isn't, you know such a big name but um, right now we have some nice horses and we're trying to build their stock up and you know I'm not saying we have the best horses but we try to do the best we can with what we got and we work hard and um, I think we're sitting on a big weekend God willing and um, we'll see how they how they run and you know Kentucky Downs is very unique course, you guys know. Just the shape of it is unique off the bat. You know, the the stretch is probably more than three eighths of a mile long. So um I think a horse like Little Nick might suit it. I mean he's little green, that thing is like out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um the race in Ellis he came running and that's what I wanted to see out of him. If he was one of those horses in the replay, you guys want to go watch it. If he was one of those horses backing off before the half mile, I would have said, damn, you know, maybe he ain't that good of a horse. But if you watch the race, you know, he had a little trouble on the turn and uh coming for home at the quarter pole, he was in the clear. He, he tried to come running. He's just truly not a dirt horse. So I was proud of that effort, even though he ran six.
2: Yeah, well said. We'll go back and definitely look at that. And you never know what Kentucky Downs is going to throw at you and the obstacles it always has too. But we wish you the best of luck and along with your dad and, and everybody you work with there at the barn. And, uh, I think when the track at Churchill opens back up, I'll see you back there. I'll come yeah. find you. What barn are you in? We're in barn
1: 33. Oh, okay. To Eddie Keneally. Yeah. Next to Tom Amos. So, uh, first year at Churchill. So far, so good.
2: Good, good. We've had Tom Amos on. Have we had Eddie Keneally? No, not yet. We're working on it. Well, Chad Brown's pretty far on our list because he's not a Kentucky total base trainer, but he seems to be a nice guy. Maybe we'll have him on in the future.
1: Yeah, no, he's really down-to-earth guy. I mean, you you could sit down with him and, you know, people – a lot of these big trainers, they seem like you know the public thing, they're they're bigger than they are. But him, Chad, Todd, a lot of them guys, they're really nice guys when you when you talk to them.
2: Well, thank you, Nick, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll follow you on the backside and definitely be rooting you home uh, on Saturday.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. I'll be back on soon one day, hopefully.
2: Thanks again. Okay. That was our special
0: guest, Nick Vacareza. And man, I'm tell you what, I, I, I could not come up with the words to come to, you know, describe what he went through. That is, uh, he's an amazing young man. And, uh, I'm, I'm sorry that happened to, to all those poor kids in Florida, but that was, uh, that was, he, he's, he is, uh, like you said, he's turned a negative into a positive.
2: Yep. You gotta, I mean, it forces him to mature faster. Uh, probably put a different lease on life and uh, those words that he said towards the end about, you know, paying attention to your, to people, you know, make an effort, connect it with them, uh, especially if they're looking down or feeling blue or just little things that are odd, you know, try to befriend everybody that you come in contact with in your life and, uh, you know, have a positive outlook and try to help them have one too. And, uh, what a super young man. I'm definitely, uh, so glad that we crossed paths over this past weekend, uh, over doing the thing we love, betting, betting horses and, uh, just w- real interesting. Somebody I'll be paying attention to in the future for sure.
3: Yeah, absolutely agree. It's, it's easy to forget that he's what, 23, 24 years old. Uh, I think we're going to be hearing a lot of, a lot of things from him in the next few, in the next few years. All
0: right, guys. Uh, who was, uh, Who's now that we know that Archangelo's won the Travers? Who's the best three year old in the country right now? Apparently, For Mage me, had a Mage well. had an excuse. He displaced the palate. Uh, may have had a little minor surgery to to repair that. Uh, knowing that, I mean, who do you who who's best? Is Archangelo at the top or I, go I Rocket do, Ride if he wins the Pacific Classic this weekend? Maybe that's possible.
3: I do think that Archangelo has kind of stamped it. You know, his place atop of the, the rankings right now. Um, everybody has been kind of dismissing Mage. I don't think Mage is totally out of it. I don't think we've heard the last from him yet, but, um, I do think that Archangelo is, is the clubhouse leader at this point. What do you think, Brandon?
2: Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I think it's still pretty wide open as we get to later in the year. Uh, maybe it's going to come from somewhere out that we don't see make it interesting for the year. Uh, Forte, you know, through a dud. And that's kind of like, <laughs> I don't know, I didn't expect that at all. Uh, I don't think a lot of people did, but uh, maybe the horse is going to regress. And you just never know with horses. And, and like what Nick was saying, you got to put the horse horse's uh, just, the well-being in, in the forefront and not just keep entering races and keep campaigning them. So uh, I really like that young man, what he had to say, but I, I'm not convinced on anybody right now. Big weekend
0: ahead. Uh, of course, Thursday is Kentucky Downs opening day. Saturday is a two million, one one mile, uh, turf event, the Mint Millions. And I think it's headed by Annapolis, who just, uh, ran second or, yeah, ran second in the four star Dave at, uh, Saratoga recently. Uh, $2 million, well, at least $2 million races on, uh, on Sunday, the Dueling Grounds Derby and the Oaks, uh, I know they've got 12 races carded for Sunday. That's kind of interesting. I, that poor turf course is going to get beat up. <laughs> but, but, uh, uh, Pacific Classic at Del Mar, like I said, go rocket ride should be in there. That should be interesting. Three year old facing older. Uh, the Jockey Club Gold Cup's probably going to come up really weak. Closing weekend at Saratoga, you're going to have the hopeful and the spinaway and all those, those big two year old races. Uh, uh, guys, anything we're looking forward to? Yeah,
3: you mentioned the uh the Mint Millions, the two million dollar race on Saturday at Kentucky Downs. I think Annapolis will be tough in there, but don't want to overlook uh, Stitched for our friends the Foleys. You know, coming off that wise Dan win. You're it's right. Very impressive in there. Seems like a horse on the rise to me. Twenty to one on the morning line I saw today. Could be tricky.
0: Well, it's never cut and dried at Kentucky Downs. That's for certain. That's, that's a, you get a lot of horses for courses down there. You know, horses, some horses like it. Some horses don't. Sometimes class comes through. You just, you, you, you never know till the race is run, but, uh, looking forward to all that. So, uh, uh, anything else before we put a
2: lid on this one? I guess they're going to have good weather out there, aren't they? It looks good. So yeah, you're right. You're going to see a dust bowl probably they don't yeah. have any sprinkler systems they don't have anything do they?
0: ah uh, it's, it's it's kind of like running in somebody's backyard just in a pasture <laughs> you know that it's not a real it's not a golf course type of uh racetrack it's more it's just you know pasture land you know you they could probably turn your cattle out on the, on that after they're done racing so
2: <laughs> i wish they would just you know treat it at least after the meet put some sand out there some seed and you know roll it keep it flat i mean i don't know i don't know if they do anything i guess they don't Surely they
0: do. I mean, it's going to take a beating here in the next two (laughs) weeks. So I'd say they've got to do something,
2: otherwise it would just be, yeah, just be nothing but dirt. See that that they should tell us they bought a new tractor with the one percent raise and takeout. Right, come on, right? (laughs) Just tell us where you're putting the investment.
0: And then we're we're looking forward to this. Of course, then Churchill's right around the corner, so it's uh, cold weather's almost here.
2: (laughs) I'm I'm down for for that cold weather. Yeah. I'm Churchill Turfway. I love Turfway. Well, you're stupid. So
0: <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna end this one right here. because uh, 'cause I'm in I'm in a bad mood now thinking about winter. So <laughs> let's, let's 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 put an end to this crap. So anyway, on behalf of uh Jeff Riggs, the bearded handicapper, Brandon Jaggers, as always, Carlo excuse me, Nick Vaccariza, our special guest. And, of course, Alan Schneider, who sucks tonight, this is CeCe Broadus reminding you that we're not happy unless you're not happy. Good night.